Hello, you're listening to the Let's Talk Future podcast series presented by Oppenheimer. If you're interested in the economy, the markets, and investing in general, you've come to the right place. This series was created to fascinate and enlighten every type of investor. Curious about the latest consumer trends? How about innovations in healthcare or technology? The Let's Talk Future series definitely has you covered. Through timely and relevant conversations, we deliver some of the best thought leadership in the financial services industry. Our renowned hosts and guests explore big questions and big ideas and leave you with actionable insights. In this special edition BioBanter episode, our featured guest is Dr. Daniel Parasoto, Managing Director of Oppenheimer's Healthcare Investment Banking Team. And our host is Michael Margolis, Co-Head of Healthcare Investment Banking. This episode was recorded on January 2nd, 2024. Thank you for joining us. Welcome back to another episode of BioBanter. I hope everyone had a nice holiday season. I'd like to wish everyone a happy new year. Biotech in 2023 was certainly a mix of the good, the bad, and the ugly. In our quarterly reports on private placements and M&A, we've kept track of important developments in our sector over the last few years. On today's podcast, I'd like to discuss some highlights of our annual reports for 2023, as well as an outlook for 2024. According to our analysis, there was more good than bad or ugly for the private biotech markets. And certainly the M&A markets was red hot in 2023, especially in the last few months of the year. Indeed, as an outstanding year-over-year last decade. Today, I'm joined by my colleague, Daniel Parasoto, who has spearheaded our analyses and reports over the last few years. Hi, Michael. Good to be back on the Biotech Banter podcast. Looking forward to the discussion today. The podcast is split into two segments. Let's discuss the private placement activity first and then finish off with thoughts on the M&A market. And perhaps we'll get a sneak peek into the IPO markets for 2024. First question, Daniel. So how has the private placement deal volume been trending for 2023 versus prior years? Despite the negative sentiment, 2023 has been an extraordinarily successful year for private biotech companies. Almost $20 billion were raised over the last 12 months, making 2023 a much better year than 2022 with around $18.5 billion. And I'm very conservative with my 2023 estimate because these $20 billion only include the new money of extension rounds, not the original deal sizes. We can discuss this in more detail later. And again, yes, we are down from the 2021 pandemic peaks of $27 billion, but compared to the pre-pandemic years of 2018 or 2019, we were up 5 to $6 billion. As a matter of fact, in terms of deal numbers for 2023, we slightly surpassed the pandemic year of 2020 with 357 versus uh, 350 deals. In addition, Series Bs continue to catch up with Series As after a very depressed 2022. They are now almost on par, with each series providing around $6 billion for the full year. So overall, I think looking at these high-level numbers, 2023 was a very good year for private biotech, and I understand the pain out there on an individual company basis. Some of that is driven by mediocre assets. Some of that is investors just asking for too much. Certainly it takes much longer to close a deal, even if a lead investor has been identified and investors ask for steep valuation discounts. Daniel, thank you so much for talking about the private placement deal volume trends in 2023. Let's get a bit more granular here and let's look at private placement activity on a quarterly basis. How does that investment capital as well as deal counts look? All quarters in 2023 provided more than $4 billion and two were even above $5 billion. In 2022, only one quarter was below $4 billion, and only the first quarter was above $5 billion, mainly driven by pandemic spillover. Taken together, Q4 
quarterly median for 2023 comes in at 4.8 versus 4.4 billion last year and more than $1.5 billion above the pre-pandemic median of $3.2 billion. I think that's really outstanding. And now turning to deal counts, we saw a median of 91 deals per quarter in 2023, surpassing 2022 and even the pandemic median of 89 deals per quarter. What that means is that more companies are raising smaller deals in 2023. Some of that deal count activity is also driven by smaller extension rounds, which are mostly around $50 million or even below. There are only a few large extension rounds in 2023. In general, the $100 million plus deals are still getting done at the same level as last year, but well below the pandemic numbers. Small deals between 10 to $50 million are doing very well, and medium-sized deals, 50 to $100 million, are well above 2022 levels, but also below the pandemic high watermark. Of course, these are just the high-level stats. There were actually a few $100 million plus B and C deals in Q3 and Q4, by companies that made significant progress or are developing drugs in hot areas. That's very helpful. Thank you. Obviously, a huge discussion topic is the proportion of new investors versus insiders in all these private placements. Are you seeing more new investors or insiders stepping up here? That's an excellent question and coming up a lot in our conversations with investors and companies alike. For Series A's, around two-thirds of rounds are led by new investors. It's not 100% because there's a lot of overlap between seed and Series A investors. So I'm not worried here at all. For the health of the market, I'm mainly looking at Series B and C dynamics. For the full year, 52% of Bs are led by new investors and 15% are co-led, meaning led by new and existing investors. So it's still the majority. And as the year progressed, new investor participation dropped for Series Bs and got really depressed in the last quarter. That's a bit worrisome, but there were a lot of undisclosed lead investors in Q4 confounding the detection of a serious trend. And we saw for Series C's that new investor participation can bounce around quite a bit over the quarters. Indeed, after a very depressed Q2, new investors came back significantly in the second half of the year for Series C's. In conclusion, the majority of deals across the board are still led by new investors uh, or co-led by new and existing investors. Which makes sense. Another question I have for you, an argument along the same lines, is there have been a lot of extension rounds, Daniel, right? Any thoughts about the extension rounds in the current environment? Yeah, new, new money in extension rounds made up only 5% of total deal value in 2023, constituting a minority. However, the frequency of extension rounds has been increasing as the year progressed. Extension rounds are inherently difficult to track, and I'm sure some go undetected in my analysis because they're simply not publicly disclosed. Most extension rounds are done at flat valuation, but it's a neat way for companies to attract high-quality investors such as Bain, Gordon MD, Morningside, or Bioluminescence, among others. As mentioned, most extension rounds were around $50 million or less, with only a few exceptions. Well, it's great to hear that the private placement activity continues to be at a robust level. It really speaks to the innovation in the biotech sector. Turning our attention to therapeutic areas of interest, investors gravitated towards which disease areas, in your opinion? Oncology, in particular, solid tumor-focused companies continue to attract the most VC dollars, making up around a third of all private placement deals. As mentioned in our previous podcast, oncology used to attract more VC dollars during the heydays of immune oncology. And CNS, INI, autoimmune, and CV uh, in the metabolic space are steadily chipping away from oncology, in particular in the second half of the year. CNS, and for the most part, neurodegeneration, neuropsychiatry, uh, as well as INI, autoimmune, taken together, overshadowed oncology. The shining light in oncology are ADCs, radiopharma, 
synthetic lethality, and big indications were targeted oncology, such as CDK2. That's very helpful. And, and what is hot and attracts VC dollars from a treatment modality point of view? Despite IRA concerns, small molecules still make up almost 40% of all biotech private placement deals. Cell and gene therapy, including RNA modalities, come in second with antibody-based treatments on third place with around 24 and 20% of deals respectively. Peptides make up another 7 or 9% or so. Obviously, if you sum up biologics, they overpower small molecules, but I like to break out biologics into their individual categories for this analysis. As a side note to cell therapy, there's an increased um, interest in taking cell therapies into non-oncology indications, despite some recent FDA concerns uh, for uh, some of the CARB products out there. Uh, from a scientific and clinical point of view, this approach makes a ton of sense, though the, though the logistics and the scaling have to be overcome for these larger autoimmune indications. What's the most remarkable here is that AI, if you want to think of AI as a treatment modality in a somewhat imprecise way, experienced a significant spike in deal activity in the second versus the first half of the year with 46 versus 11 deals. This will certainly continue into 2024. And by the way, I think we are overestimating the impact of AI in biotech in the near term, but underestimate the impact of AI in the long term. I don't think that medicinal chemists will form long lines in front of the unemployment office in the near term. If anything, AI is only making them better, maybe helping to turn a mediocre medicinal, med medicinal chemist into a Nobel-worthy one. And uh, I think we're going to see the first real monetary impact of AI in clinical development because that is what sucks up the majority of resources in biotech. Understood. Let's shift to valuation, right? So the valuation reset in the public side was certainly a main topic over the last couple of years. How does this compare in the, in the private valuation market? Yeah, so that question is tricky to answer. First, available valuation data for private biotech companies is limited by low ends and biased towards companies that disclose higher valuations. Not all down rounds are captured correctly by the usual databases out there. But overall, median A and B valuations remain pretty robust, trending down a little, but not by much. And after depressed 2022 for Series C valuations, 2023 looked a lot better for that financing segment in terms of valuations. Generally, uh, the smaller deals are faring a bit better compared to the $100 million plus deals when it comes to the valuation dynamics. Uh, perhaps I can answer your question in a better way um, by looking at it from a different angle. What certainly has changed quite a bit is the number of down rounds. They are most prominent for companies trying to raise a C or beyond. But remember that some of these Series Bs were raised during the pandemic craziness and price to IPO in 2021. So evaluation we set for the Series C in these instances is truly warranted. Remarkably, down rounds are less common for companies trying to raise a Series B. Overall, step-ups have come down in 2023 compared to prior years. So there is pressure on valuations in the private markets. But there are still exceptions to this rule, and plenty of private companies have valuations that wouldn't fly in the public sphere where gravity will set in even after an outstanding XBI performance in Q4. Perfect. And, and I assume with the private placement markets going that strong, most of the usual suspects in the VC investor world are active today? Uh, short answer, yes. The usual biotech mafia remains active. Top 20 players in 2023 uh, include RA, Orbimed Arch, the top three, as well as Surveyor, Invis, but also Lilly, Novo Holdings, and M Ventures. Of note, t and Perceptive, we're pretty active this year again after a quiet 2022 for these funds. And if we just focus in on, on Q4 um, of, of last year, some additional players are Forbian, Bain, 
Polaris, Atlas, Samsara, and 5AM, among others. And I guess the last question on the private placement side, you know, what is your outlook for the private placement activity in 2024? So I, I think I was very optimistic about 2023, 12 months ago, and I'm surprised as to how good it turned out to be despite interest rates, Silicon Valley Bank failure, if anybody still remembers that one, and you know the geopolitical mayhem. Uh, looking at the 12 months ahead of us, I'm even more optimistic than I was one year ago, and there are a few fundamental reasons for that. Number one, 2023 was a stellar year for biotech M&A. All that cash will ultimately be reinvested into the sector. I would like to highlight that lots of private companies got acquired last year, so it's been a very good year for some VCs. Number two, LPs continue to funnel capital into biotech-focused funds, despite a perceived lack of interest in the sector. A lot of tri-powder is sitting on the sidelines looking to be deployed. Number three, you know, if you read the Financial Times or Wall Street Journal, interest rates might come down in 2024, boosting our sector, but it's really above my pay grade to make an informed comment on the inner machinations of the Fed. Number four, obesity. In some ways, uh, it's like COVID-19 and acts as a positive halo for the biotech pharma industry at large. Uh, number five, innovation. I don't think we are at peak innovation in biotech. If anything, we are maybe at the third or fourth inning. So that will drive the continued growth of our sector. Perhaps I'm more worried about biology than new treatment modalities. Coming up with novel targets to replace approved TNF alphas, IL-17s, IL-17s, HER2s, or PD-1s is a lot more challenging. Hopefully, AI can facilitate that endeavor. And number six, adding on to innovation a little bit, let's not forget that 2023 was a record year in terms of FDA approvals after a very sluggish 2022, including the very first CRISPR product. I don't have any reason to believe that 2024 should be much worse than 2023 with several key PDUFAs around the corner. And uh, if you ask me what worries me about 2024, then certainly increasing geopolitical tensions, a more than heated presidential election, and full disclosure here, given my accent, I'm not allowed to vote, and our evergreen in biotech, which is truck pricing legislation. Um, on that note, my notion is that the IRA is here to stay, even under a potentially new regime in DC, though hopefully in a modified form. However, as I've already mentioned, I'm, I'm very optimistic on private biotech markets going into 2024. Well, I appreciate all that insight here. You, you, know, you mentioned, obviously, the M&A activity out there. That's an excellent transition into a few questions around this topic. Certainly, um, 2023 was a very big year for M&A, but, but how big was it? Not just big, but stellar. 2023 exceeded all other years over the last decade in terms of total transaction value with $149 billion um, and almost 70 transactions. Big Pharma and large-cap biotech alone accounted for $132 billion in 30 transactions. Uh, the only better year for transaction value was 2019, but with Celgene and Allergan, that year is almost impossible to beat. Uh, I mean, 2023 has been a marvelous year for M&A, a Cambrian explosion of transactions, very good for our ecosystem. Uh, we saw only um, one mega deal with, with CGen earlier this year and only two deals valued more than $10 billion with Prometheus and Karuna. However, we had plenty of $1 to $10 billion deals throughout the year. I think these types of deals are a lot more relevant for biotech specialist investors and our ecosystem in general than all these mega deals in any case. And of note, some M&A deals were pretty competitive with double-digit interested parties. I cannot know for sure if all these parties put in real bids, but still there's a big appetite for deals out there 
in particular autoimmune, INI, and oncology, very competitive deals. And of course, ADCs, interestingly, uh, cell and gene therapy deals were also very competitive. Regardless, there's no correlation between number of interested parties and transaction values for in individual M&A deals. And I already mentioned this, but want to highlight this again. A lot of private companies were bought by Big Pharma, including companies ready to IPO, such as Karmat, which was on file for an IPO. I think that is probably a trend we're going to see in 2024 as well, if IPO market stays choppy as they are, despite public markets improving a bit over the last few weeks. And lastly, M&A multiples on future sales uh, estimates are above pre-pandemic me metrics again, still below the pandemic metrics, but way up from an underperforming 2022 in that regard. Well, that was certainly an impressive overview of 2023. You know, is all big pharma and biotech shopping the same way or are there kind of distinctive wish lists depending upon each company's focus? Yeah, shopping carts look very different among the big pharma players. Uh, we saw Pfizer, BMS, Appian, Merck make just uh, one to three really big bets, mostly late stage or, or commercial companies, because these Big pharma companies are grappling the most with upcoming patent cliffs and or diminished COVID revenues. So they go shopping with a particular shopping list in mind. On the other hand, Lilly and to some degree Novo are just browsing the aisles, buying what could be impactful in a few years from now. Thanks to obesity sales, they don't have to worry about immediate cash flows. Perfect. And I guess, you know, what therapeutic areas were of interest to big pharma in 2023? Pretty much reflecting what I mentioned during the private placement section of our discussion. M&A deals are mostly comprised of oncology, CNS, autoimmune, and INI. And um, I would like to highlight that the second half of the year saw an uptick in CV and metabolic acquisitions, in particular obesity companies. And Big Pharma is also spending more on these companies as the year progressed. Understood. I guess a similar question to the one I just asked you. What treatment modalities were the most sought after among Big Pharma? Yeah, uh, it's interesting that small molecules re remain the most sought-after treatment modality, despite IRA concerns from Big Pharma. Modeling out small molecule revenue has become a lot trickier under IRA constraints. Um, and then, of course, ADCs. I already mentioned uh, CGEN as the 400-pound gorilla, but there were other big-ticket ADC acquisitions this year as well, such as Immunogen and others. Naked maps are in third place in the treatment modality hierarchy. So I guess the last question on the M&A topic here, you know, kind of breaking out your crystal ball, what is your outlook for M&A in 2024? There's one truism for big pharma valuations, and that is the top line growth continues to be the key valuation driver. Uh, with that truism in mind, we still live in this world of more than 10 Lipitor-like patent cliffs approaching before this decade comes to an end. And at the same time, Big Pharma is sleeping with around $240 billion of cash reserves stashed under their mattresses. While Pfizer and Amgen have spent some of the cash already, others haven't. I'm not looking at any big pharma company in particular, but I, I think some of the quiet players in 2023 and 2022 will get more active in 2024. In addition, I believe that Lilly and Novo will continue with their strategy of shopping for smaller bolt-on acquisitions, making use of that obesity cash windfall. Unfortunately, we don't have the time today to discuss BD activity in all its details, but 2023 was a very active year, laying the groundwork for future acquisitions, in particular around AI and advanced treatment modalities such as more ADCs, radiopharma, 
We already saw major acquisitions happening, most likely more to come for Radio Pharma here as well, and, and genome editing. Furthermore, if the IPO market continues to be very challenging in 2024, Big Pharma will continue to pick up private companies of interest. And um, I already mentioned FDA approvals this year, and there's another truism here. Majority of truck approvals overall came and continue to come from biotech companies. In addition, 14 of the Big Pharma approved drugs in 2023 came in via M&A. So Big Pharma will continue to buy innovation. I have no doubt about it. Uh, and lastly, if you read any of the Big Pharma earning calls transcripts, CEOs continue to express an appetite for M&A. I don't think we will see a series of mega deals next year that would only transpire if something catastrophic would happen to Big Pharma. But these bold-on acquisitions in the range of $1 to $10 billion will persist, in my view. To finish some of the headwinds for, for the VC world, for, for private uh, placements, also apply to the M&A space. In addition, I would mention M&A idiosyncratic headwinds, including increased FTC scrutiny. And we saw our fair share of that this year, uh, or last year, I should say. Luckily, no major M&A deal didn't close because of that. An exception is to block Sanofi May's deal for a rare disease product. And I'm sure we're going to see more of that going forward. Unfortunately, lastly, there are obviously fewer late stage and commercial products available for Big Pharma to buy in 2024 than there were 12 months ago. So we need continued clinical success stories to fuel the M&A fire. Daniel, thank you so much for really all your insightful thoughts here. That was really a great session of BioBanter. I think the one thing that will likely come up next week in San Francisco, the JP Morgan conference, is that you know, kind of how does all this translate for the IPO market? Obviously, 2023 was an unsuccessful IPO year for many companies. Only 12 IPOs successfully completed. My gut tells me, my crystal ball tells me, we're probably not gonna have a stellar number of IPOs, probably more in the range of 15 to 20 companies going public. I think as you said, Daniel, some of the companies will run a dual process and may get acquired instead of going public and have a true liquidity event. But I think the companies that go public will be really relegated to the more, most mature companies out there in clinical development that have clinical data, as well as those companies that are well, very well backed by high quality investors. Hopefully we have more than 15 or 20 deals this, this year. That's kind of my gut feel right now. I'd also like to point out to the audience that we have two decks that we put together, one for private placements and the other for the M&A BD side, uh, that we speak to all the discussed data points and much, much more. Please reach out to us if you wanna access the decks by myself, Daniel, or some of our colleagues. With that, I'm wishing everyone a great start into the new year and hope to see you all at JP Morgan in San Francisco next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of Let's Talk Future. We know your podcast listening options are endless, and so we're glad you're spending time with us. Don't miss out on our next episode, and remember to subscribe today. Join our community to expand your thoughts on business, the markets, and the dynamic forces affecting them. It's time to talk future.